Welcome to Solutions, where men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, we have on the show a beacon of hope, a true lighthouse for those who need light in the darkness, a student of communication, a travel enthusiast, an educative enthusiast and advocate, a man who has the ability to meet you where you are and supply you with the tools to build you up. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the teacher, husband, businessman, and fellow podcaster, Mr. John David Lewis. <sighs> man, I, I've never been introduced like that before. I'm uh, I'm humbled, brother. Thank you so much. Hey, man, listen, get used to it, man. You're doing great things in our community, and we appreciate you for it. Thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, the pleasure's all mine, brother. Are you ready to drop these gems? Hey, I'm going to do the best I can. Here we go. What person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today? Who or what defined you? That, uh, you know, as I've had time to reflect over my life, it hasn't been particularly one person. Um, I would like to believe that at this point, I've evolved into trying to take something from everybody. Um, that I've met throughout my life. Uh, I do believe that I've had the most growth at this point uh, in the last two or three years, more than I've ever had. But I think it has a lot to do with me reflecting on the message I was receiving and how I actually took it. And looking back, the message was probably way above my, 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 my maturity. So I wasn't able to appreciate it. But I would like to believe at this point it's just a, uh, it's a plethora of good men that's come in and out of my life. For me to just focus on one would be selfish, but I can say specifically you. Um, I've enjoyed the times that we've had that uh, talk about uh, just growing as a man, a father and a husband. And if I could point anybody out, I can honestly say that I've enjoyed the conversations that you and I have had for me to just become a better man. So I pick you. <laughs> I appreciate that. If you can tell us what interpretations of yourself you saw back then and what interpretations that you see now and just preface it by how you got to this vision of where is the connection of how we get there to where we can see the beauties above our heads that we're not paying attention to. You know, um, I've come to the conclusion that you only know what you know and um, as a child, you don't realize that what you learn in the household is golden. And if your parents are doing it and you're not being corrected, you feel like that's the way you move through life. And I think as you get older, um, you start to either come into your own where you take whatever you've decided that you're gonna be and walk in confidence that or you could go into a shell like you don't feel like that's you. But on behalf, on my behalf, I took it and ran. Um, I've had I, I was an unpolished stone the way that I look at it. But I did so well in things that people may consider distractions. Uh, like give you an example: uh, being a black man with no kids in college, graduate from college, uh, get a job home, uh, car, don't need to depend on anybody. 
I was in the mindset that I made it. You know, I knew that I had other goals, but I felt like I knew it all. And when I graduated from college, I felt like nobody could tell me anything because I did better than my father. So I felt like I could just move through this, this earth and just try to figure it out. When I didn't realize that no man should go through life like that. They should have somebody guiding you, telling you, hey, you know, you messing up here, you messing up there, man. But this right here, you need to focus on. And I know these distractions, but nobody could talk to me that way. And where I am now, it's like me looking back, like I was just completely blessed to get to this point in my life because I was really walking through this world reckless. And when I say reckless, because I thought I knew it all. And the consequences that I got um, weren't enough for me to reevaluate my life. Mm. And, 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 and that's what's so crazy that I'm blessed to get here with, with, without me tearing my life up completely. Um, reviewing to how I got here. I'm completely blessed. Uh, I felt like when I changed my diet, uh, it cleared my mind. And then, you know, like I, I told you, when my family left uh, back to the States, like I had to focus on me because I didn't have anybody to talk to. And I was going through this learning stage of just trying to figure myself out. And when you don't have anybody to talk to, you can only focus on yourself. And I took it on and it, I got to a really dark place because I didn't realize the way that I was walking, like people have fallen for less. And I'm like, if I have these ideas of what I want to do for our community, I have to start being the example that I didn't have. So looking back from then and now is just, I was walking blind and I felt like I knew everything and I didn't know anything. And that's been the most humbling part because I'm blessed that I'm here and that I can learn so much more. It sounds to me that you went through a, a detox, but you went through a detox. You went through several different detoxes at one time and you changed your diet. A lot of people are not ready to do that. You know, it takes a lot of discipline. Uh, most of us are emotional eaters and don't realize it. we celebrate with food, with everything, birthday, food graduation food anything <laughs> yeah i know food we do Except, a lot of that and with our culture like you said uh we take on these constructs that we come from our particular homes and our families and our cultures and we spoke off air about the soundtrack of your life changing where you're used to hearing certain sounds and different heartbeats around your house around your atmosphere so when your family moved back to the states like I said, the soundtrack of your life changed. Now you're forced to listen to your own personal heartbeat and that's another detox. So you put on two detoxes at the same time. That's why I got to a dark place, but you had to shed your skin. I ask you within the constructs that you learned from your home and your family that you took out into the world, cause you said, this is what I learned. This is the way it's supposed to be. Which one still holds true today that you kept after the detox? Ooh. <clears throat> What lessons from from growing up that I kept after the deep? Okay, so you know that's that's a uh, interesting question because growing up in my household, I was told right from wrong, but I I was never told why, you know, and 
thinking about the things that my father taught me, those things were wrong, but that was just what he knew. But he taught me about respect and to, to speak with, to speak to your elders with respect, address people. Like he always gave people titles, you know, and like Mr., Mrs., young lady, young man. He wanted them. I don't know what he was doing it for, but I've carried that on. And I noticed that when I say those titles, it make people feel like they feel special or they feel defensive. Like, don't call me that because of the construct that they learned about the title. But it's just showing my respect to you without, um, without you, whatever perceived ideas you had meeting me, when I meet you like that, I want you to know that it's a certain level of respect that I'm bringing to this with me and you talking. So I would like to believe that uh, I always knew that was right, but I didn't realize how much it played a role throughout my life. And using that always changes uh, the type of conversation you can have with somebody by introducing with uh, a title of respect. Absolutely, it's a level of maturity right and then it's a basic level of communication that we've lost in our culture because our dialect changes every five years or maybe every three <laughs> years it's we have the same word for the same things but if you don't know the new word for the same thing you're kind of outdated like you need an upgrade that's what that's what they do to us that's what we do to ourselves excuse me that's yeah. what we do to ourselves do you, do you think that's bad i think there is a disconnect from the elders when it when that happens because that's to me that's just a generation trying to carve out their personal space to exist they want to have a voice so things that are recreated but are the same thing but a different name is someone else saying they created something just to establish a space but if we had this conduit flow of information back and forth and a certain pride of who we are then certain names don't need to change certain well, behaviors don't need to change I, I can dig that. I want you to maybe look at it from this way. Um, the United States is being ran by old white power, right? The only reason why they can't excel is because they're not willing to evolve. And normally when somebody sticks on traditional beliefs without evolving, they're getting old. And even as I look at myself and I can look at these young people and say, you know, like there's no way that I would do this or that, but I didn't grow up in that time. And in order for us to reduce the, the amount of disconnect is that we have to constantly be evolving with them because we created saying that this is the right way and you shouldn't do this. These kids are way more advanced than we are. They're exposed to way more than we are. But if we can show them that we're evolving with them, I'm not saying wear skinny jeans or wear uh, revealing clothes, anything like that. I'm just saying at least understand the environment that they're in and talk at their level versus bringing them to where you are, because we're supposed to be teaching. And if we don't have to teach anymore, we got to hope that they believe in what we said was right. Absolutely. And I will I agree with you, but I also want to say some of the old ways mixed with the new ways, just like we said, will help. And to give reference to the Mr. and Mrs. and Sir, we should never lose that, right? That That's what I'm talking about. We should never lose that. But we should also never lose the fact that we have the opportunity to program telephone numbers in our phones and not remember numbers and challenge those sides of our brain. 
there's a yesteryear knowledge that they have that they were forced to learn. But now because it's easier, that means we let it go. I, I believe that watching my grandmother and my mom remember telephone numbers sharpens their memory for different things. And if we can still implement some, some of those things, like some people today don't even know their own telephone numbers. They have to actually go into their phone to see what their own number is. And I think that is a sharpening of the mind of a tool that I, I, I don't want to lose in, in, in that retrospect. And I think we can develop that together. I, I, I totally young child's that. energy. In, in, in what you're saying, um, I think it's an assumption that if you memorize phone numbers, that you're not memorizing something else. So taking away the phone number memorization aspect is not saying that that person's not memorizing something that may be more valuable, that they don't need to use that part of their brain to remember a number. So if you look at technology as it's hurting us, you're not looking at the benefits on how we can grow from it. And when I say that, I, I totally get what you're saying because I, in the mindset that, you know, why kids using calculators, being a math, former math teacher, you know, and I was like, you need to learn this. But at the end of the day, you want to learn to help them learn the process. Because like, if a student is not getting the basic arithmetic and they can use a calculator, as long as they know the process means they can understand how to grow. But if you have them use their mind to memorize facts that even as an adult, if you work with numbers, you're going to have a calculator. So it's like we put this stigma on that certain information that may be sharp in our minds. Maybe we're sharpening it with something else and we're not realizing it. Let's take it really deep to what you said. Like you said, you only know what you know. And since we brought up old white men owning America, you only know what you know. We know the fact that at some point in every time in history, technology was used to take away from another's culture where they were stricken and barren. So having a basic level of knowing how not to use this technology and survive should exist as a fraction of how we should move because we cannot trust the people who have control of the technology. They could just take it away. I can get that. I, 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 I'm not denying that at no, all. No, 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 no. This is a balanced conversation. Everybody yeah. needs to hear this. Keep going. Keep going. For sure. Like, I, I, I love that aspect of it. But that's the thing. Like, I told my kids, I said, you're going to be the generation that grows up with internet in your whole life. And we won't know the, 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 the side effects that's going to come up from, oh, that's the first generation that grew up with internet in their whole life until it actually happens. So with what you're saying, I just feel like we do need to learn some type of balance of it all, but it's trying to filter out what is good and what is bad, but we don't really know, but we assume the, uh, the remembering phone numbers is I mean, not, not just, not just, I was just using that because look, I'm telling you, I was on that also. I I'm telling you, I was totally on board, <laughs> but when I started doing more research, it, it made us, it's like, we're still filtering out what we need and what we don't need. Right. Cause we don't know. We seen a lot of things, man. We, we see, we see nobody goes outside and plays. So where does that energy go? The energy is not going to die. It's going to get transferred to one place to the next. So we see a lot of things that's wrong and a lot of things that's growing from it. So just to speak on that part. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want you to ask just real quick. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Like what you said, like when I was young, kids was outside because they didn't want to be inside with their parents because their parents were mean. Not only that, 
when you have your kid inside, you don't have to worry about the eels on the outside to protect them from. Because if they don't come home on time, you want them to follow directions. It's different ways you could look at kids being on the inside. But just like you said, that energy, it's all like electronics at this point. And we have to find that balance. Like, if yeah, we're that's gonna what I was saying. I didn't, I didn't say when I was young, I was just speaking like- Oh no, I was saying that There's an energy, like this still exists. So now that they don't go outside, where does that energy go? Now that we yeah. have more social media bullying and their minds are not prepared to take care of social media bullying, where does that energy go? So we're starting to see some modern day side effects, but we, like you, I do agree with you. We got a long way to go, but we, we can start plugging some of the small water holes as much as we can, but it has, has to do with communication on both sides. And are we both ready to listen to each other? Is wisdom ready to listen to the young energy? Definitely. I, I'm, I'm all for that. I have a question for you. Do you have a vision board? Uh, no, um, I don't have a vision board. I've done them before, but now my visions are written every day. So like it's in my notebook. So whatever I'm feeling, like I have different symbols that I see. Like if I look at the clock and I see something that I recognize or if I'm watching something and something splattered, I, it's time to write or do a, a type of exercise. So I try to maximize my time, but my vision board is constantly evolving each time I write in it. So throughout the day, when when I'm done writing, somebody can see how I was thinking and how my mood changed or whatnot. So my vision changes as I continue to write. So I don't have nothing specific, but I know that I have a notebook that I write in every day to ensure that I am working toward my goals. I love the fact that you implement the art of journaling your emotions and feelings that really does help many many people if you can give us one apex goal you're currently chasing and one apex goal that you achieved oh well right now i'm currently chasing to protect my wife and when i say protect her i never realized how much weight she's had on her back as a woman a black woman a mother a wife, a sister, an auntie, you know what I'm saying? A daughter, like the things that she takes on, I realized as a man that I was cheating, but I didn't know that I was cheating because I just was thought I was supposed to do better than my father. So there was so many parts of my marriage that I never learned. And I wouldn't have gotten there without experience because nobody told me, hey man, you missing this part or whatnot. And I realize I'm looking at my wife, she's tired. And I'm like, how is she tired? And then like one day she broke down the things that she think about. And I'm like, those things are really heavy. And my goal is to put her in a place where she feels like all the work she's done was worth it. So that is the goal I'm currently chasing. Um, let, me, let me ask you this question. For someone watching who might be dealing in the same realm of that question, that goal, what are some of the indications that you can say that that was noticed to help you develop towards seeing that, that, hey, my significant other, my partner might be tired? Um, well, I can say that she's been telling me she's been tired all through the years and <laughs> I didn't understand it though. 
You know, like, uh, like even when we moved here to Abu Dhabi, like I started cooking breakfast every morning. I was washing clothes. I was like trying to free up her time, but because I wanted her to relax, I didn't realize the level of tired that she was talking about. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And it was so crazy because, you know, like when we're going through the, like when I'm going through these changes and I'm talking to her and I'm starting to understand things that I didn't understand before when she said, and I'm like, what's wrong? And then when she tells me, I'm like, I was cooking breakfast every day and all of this. She was like, it's more than just the time. It's like the things that I got to ensure. Like even with the kids, like she has been like, like even when we were working, like she would do their homework with them. I would do homework like in math, but overall she would check everything and make sure everything was in order. The things that I was thinking about was like household financially, uh, making sure the cars run, making sure we do things as a family, uh, just like concrete things that you would see. You don't see the like the uh, abstract things that a woman takes on just being a mother. And then like when you have a headstrong young man that thought he knew everything, it was like she had to adjust to me to make this work. And it was like looking back and I'm like, she adjusted so much. And I'm like, I burnt her out. You know what I'm saying? Like she saw the good things that I could bring to the table, but she didn't realize that I was deficient in so many areas, just being a man. And I was, like I said, I was stubborn and prideful for the wrong things. And to listen to her was like, I would have never let it get this far if I would have knew what she was talking about. And I'm like, I need you to know, I really do love you. Like. If I knew that these were things that I was doing, I would have tried to work on it. But I just, I didn't understand the language at the time. I'm a, I'm on record saying that muscle memory plays a big part in our personalities and who we are. And when you're in a marriage, when you ask someone to change something one time, it's gonna take maybe a hundred thousand times that you asking them because now they have to look at who they are first. First, they have to accept the challenge and the change. And now they have to con start conditioning themselves to have a natural reaction of what you ask to be changed. So I commend you for taking that road. It's gonna take some muscle memory. It's gonna take some courage. It's gonna take some more detoxing, but you're not afraid of the detox because you already went through two of them already. So you got a few more to go. So I commend you on that. Now, if you can give us a goal that you reached, that you that you say, hey, I, I did this. I made it to this apex. So this, this is crazy because it goes back to everything that I've said, like taking my family across the world and making a nice little change where money wasn't a problem. In my head, I had did everything that I was supposed to do when I like, when I was young, I said, you know, we're gonna have a house and, you know, we'll have cars, but we're gonna travel the world. And then when I got here, I the, the apartment that we had was 3,500 square feet. It was in a high rise. It was all window and it was across the street from the beach. And I'm looking at myself like my wife wasn't working and my kids was going to private school or the international school. And I was like, I did it right. And it was like, why don't I feel good? <laughs> like, this is tiring. Like, I was like, it's gotta be a better way. And then like, 
I started when I started removing the distractions, I realized that my goals were still the same, but they were just distracted by all these things that I thought I needed. You know what I'm saying? So I have removed um, a lot of distractions out of my life. Like I know how to play it, you know, for whatever the, the need is at the time, but it's not a part of my life. So me being able to be able to maneuver through this world without being distracted is a goal that I'm I'm so like when I say it people be like hey you don't know what your distractions are I said I do and they're all focused around the things that I want so if I limit all of this hoopla I've already seen what it could do but I don't have a need for it anymore it's like it's like it, for example if I live in a city and my friends um are they come in and visit me and uh, exotic clubs are the thing. And I know that I, I can go to these things without feeling like any type of way. I'm going to show them a good time because we're friends. I don't have to like say I can't do that because I don't mess with it no more. You know what I'm saying? It's me having a balance, knowing how to appreciate whatever group of friends or people I decide to entertain, meet them where they are, because I have the self-control of being able to do it now. So the, the self-control aspect, when they say it's discipline, man, I said, it really isn't. Like, it's a different level of self-control when I know what can hurt what I'm trying to do. So that's my biggest goal to this day. It's when you have a purpose and an agenda, you can do a checklist on what, what's the recipe for what you're trying to cook up. Absolutely get that. I want to ask you one question. This is an audible question. I like to call it an audible because it's not on my list. The question is, how do you feel this experience and this knowledge that you are gaining about yourself is preparing you to be the father you need to be? Because I work on it every day. Um, by me becoming a better man allows me to come up with more ideas on what I can introduce to my kids. So I look at what I thought what, what was being a father. And I realized that speaking with a friend of mine told me, he said, your kids model what they see in the household. He says, even the things that you think you can cover up, they see, they just don't say anything. You don't recognize them until they come older. So they pick up bad habits from their parents when they don't even realize it because that's just the environment that they're in. So I've decided to remove as many bad habits that I'm aware of to ensure that if they pick up any habits, it's only gonna be something to get them to their goal. Absolutely, absolutely, I, I appreciate that. Along your journey of dropping these bad habits, the ones you notice, uh -huh. developing yourself to sit in environments that you used to sit in, now you can sit in a different comfort of self-care. What type of affirmations are you telling yourself daily I know you write a journal, but what type of affirmations? Are you telling yourself any affirmations throughout your day? So I, I, I don't say them throughout the day because my day is, it's only working on building myself. But I always try, look, I say make, make today better than yesterday. Don't worry about anything you can't control. Um, attack the day with relentless tenacity, being all opportunities to your will and be great on purpose. And these words, you know what's so crazy? I used to say these words and hear these words, but didn't even appreciate the words until mm. I started saying, what am I saying this for if I'm not working toward doing these things? And when I started 
to reevaluate the things that I've been practicing in my life. It was pra- I was practicing for the real game. And I realized I just have habits that I was working in over the years and didn't know that it was setting me up to wake up at some point and where the words started to mean more. And I was like, I had all the stuff with me and didn't even realize because I just thought that if you say it long enough, it'll happen. But if you know what the words mean and you believe in it and you work toward it, things happen. Your yesterday prepared you for today. There's something about affirmations when you have appreciation and you're thankful for the words you're saying out your mouth that becomes a different type of wisdom. Dare I say a different type of spell that you're casting on yourself. And many, many people don't realize the power and universal energy of our words. How early did you start goal setting? What was the first time you set a goal to achieve something? To be honest, uh, my father set that goal. As long as I could remember, he says, if I die, what are you going to do? I'm going to go to college and get a good job. What if I die? I'm going to go to college and get a good job. And in my head, that was just something I was supposed to do. And What's so crazy is that I've skated through life off of that, off of that, those words, because academically I wasn't a problem. Uh, I did well, uh, behaviorally I was a tough kid and I, I, de- I developed, I developed a, a skin that was more aggressive than your average group of people. And I had a personality that people enjoy, but it was like, what was coming out of his mouth? So it ended up working, it's so crazy. Like I became an asshole and I became really good at it. Mm. And I just remember, it was like, as long as I graduate from college and get a good job that I did what my father told me to do. But that is the only goal that I can say when I was young that I I definitely accomplished, but the most difficult goal I'm trying to attain at this point is learn Arabic. So like today is like 192 days in a row of two, two hours plus Arabic. And I feel like this, I can't cheat it because the, the way that I'm learning, I have to learn how to write, read and speak. Right. And I'm like, I am definitely going to continue this until I achieve it. And this will be my most accomplished goal to date, other than being a father and a husband, but something that I was working on, this will be a goal that I'm trying to grab on and hold because all the people I know here and left, I asked, like you would assume that somebody learned how to speak Arabic. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be the person that they're gonna say, I do know a person. He made that the goal for everybody to know that he learned Arabic. I, I started, but I, I yet I got I got hung up. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue the process. So you're inspiring me right now to continue, inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. To continue, inshallah. Give me a book you felt saved your life. I don't know about any books to save my life. Um, I can tell you that, I can tell you the first book I read as an adult, um, and it was The Coldest Winter Ever by Mm. Sister Soldier. 
that changed. Look, I hated reading. Look, I hated reading. Like when I say as an adult, I mean, that was probably the, the only book that I remember ever reading like after elementary school. And I just think about how much I hated reading and how poor I was in reading. But that book made me feel like it was a type of language that I understood and I and I just got engaged in it. I was like, dang, it's books out here like this. Like yeah. I need, to, I need to read more. So I started reading like Donald Goins books, like, you know, stuff about kind of like what I grew up in, but not kind of like it, you know what I'm saying? It was like, it was hardcore. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, wow, like these people, you know, live in this different type of world. But as I, as I matured, um, I started doing self-help books. Uh, the person that I can say that I love to, to read about is Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know if you had a, uh, a heard of the book Outliers. Yes. He says like, you know, if you, uh, 10,000 hours, you become a specialist. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the way that we grew up, they made us specialists in the classrooms to go work for somebody. We put in all these hours to do like it. Could you imagine if from like the age seven or eight and you, you had a plethora of things and resources and you put in 10,000 hours probably roughly get you about 17 or 18. Those are NBA athletes and these guys have been putting in these hours. So just imagine if we put those hours in something that we wanted to do, we will become a specialist and people will pay us to do that. But if you don't know that you're in this, uh, what is the what uh, assembly line? You're just, mm. they're just trying to find the next mind to, to do whatever their agenda is. But spending time on things that you want it will develop if you put enough time in it. The problem is, is that they told us what we should be interested in. Mm, now you're diving deep, brother. I love to hear this conversation, absolutely. So now we have development from people that you love. You write down your journal every day. You tell yourself some great affirmations. You got your father's agenda. Hey, this is what you need to do. Graduate, get a job. You put all these things together to being a better father and detoxing, as we know, twice already to learn Arabic, be a better father, be a better husband, understanding your wife's needs through all of these things that you're doing right now. What did you sacrifice? Pride and ego, a, a dumb trait used for the wrong things. Like I sacrificed the belief in God, what my parents were. Like I got to a place where I was like, it was like, why are you doing these things? You know what I'm saying? Like we're taught religion and, you know, I've always questioned it my whole life and, but I still believed in a higher power. And I got to the point where I felt like we're just in a game and some people are put in situations to see who is willing to be strong enough to be able to navigate through that. And when I, questioned my parents on how they raised me. I was like, man, why would they do this? And I'm like, they only knew what they knew. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like they were doing something to put us in danger. They only knew what they knew. So like looking at where I am, I'm like, if you don't question everything, you don't know what's really true. So my belief system that I had before, I, I would like to believe the belief system that I have now is an evolved version of what it used to be.
So just, just believing that the things that you were taught was wrong and it's a better way to do it. And that's helped me, that ultimately helped me get here. But I had to sacrifice my belief in these things that I was taught by man. Talk to me about your lowest moment. And I just don't want to know about your lowest moment. We want to know how you got up. This is for the people right now that might be listening, that might be going through the same things you're going through. Talk to me about your lowest moment and how did you get up? Well, you know, it, this is going to be a little different. I don't know if I'll be able to help anybody because my lowest moments never made me feel like I couldn't get up. I was, it was more so a breakdown of how I got there and trying to make sure I didn't make those mistakes again. Like I haven't been in a place where I felt like I wasn't gonna ever get up. Like I, I believe in myself. I've always believed in myself. Even when, you know, you're in a like a check to check moment and you're like, what am I gonna do to get to this? It's like, it's gonna work out. You know what I'm saying? And as long as you don't make the same mistake, you don't have to go through that experience again. So my 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 down moments, the, the, the lowest I was, was when I was in a dark place by myself, trying to figure myself out. But it wasn't, it was on purpose. I went, I went there intentional. You know, I wanted to remove that because I felt like it was something holding me back from being who I thought I'm supposed to be. Like when I talk to people, sometimes their ideas aren't as big as mine. So it sounds like I'm crazy, but I felt like I'm willing to go to places on purpose just so that I can get more information. Sir, you did give some remedies. You said, how did I get here? And you always ask why. For someone right now who might have a lowest moment, they probably never asked that question. They gotcha. probably never said, how did I get here? They probably never looked look through A through Z of what their personal accountability is or how much they believe in something. I spoke to someone by the name of Goddess Amina on Clubhouse. And one thing she said is always ask, how did I get here? Friend to the show, Cameron Wesley Sr. spoke up about a personal situation where he was ready to remove himself from the planet. And he said he'd done everything he could do about the situation he was in. But the one thing he forgot to do was pray. The mm -hmm. moment he got down on his knees and prayed, his wife came home early from work and she didn't know why. Alhamdulillah. Stop yeah, alhamdulillah. <laughs> stop, ah. the, stop the entire altercation in that moment of self-reflection and prayer gave the universe enough time to save him. Because we definitely need everyone here that's trying to walk in that light and be righteous. I appreciate that. Sure. Now that we gone down a little deep road, let's have some fun here, sir. Uh, what have you procrastinated on and why? Oh, um, I procrastinated on getting great, becoming great, brother. Like, <laughs> I, felt, I felt like I could have been great a long time ago if I had this information, I would have cracked 10,000 hours in my 20s because I would have came and got greatness. And I feel like where I am now is still a procrastination because I still don't know what it looks like. And, but I still just keep working on myself. The, the, the habits that you create is what's ultimately going to develop 
whatever fruits you want to uh, bring into this world. And the form of procrastination that I have now is just not having enough information. But if we're going to go down to something regular, probably working out. Um, <laughs> I've, I've started working out in the last four or five days and I figured out what can work for me, where I can do this every day. But I should look, I've had enough time to be able to be ripped, walking around with no shirt on. But it was just something like I kept making excuses for myself saying, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this. And I was like, that is beneficial to me. So working out, that's that would be my answer. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I sometimes I just stop and do 15 push-ups, and I might not do another push-up for a week. I got to stop doing that because habits are formed whether you plan them or not. And more a lot so. of people do, people don't understand there's two sides to habits. What you're not doing is also a habit. Definitely. How important is it to leave where you're from to develop yourself to where you're going? Uh, I, I was watching this podcast the other day with Lil C's and Mano, and uh, Mano's huh? Yeah, Mano's podcast called The Kitchen, right? Yeah, Mano said, "You can't appreciate life until you had the opportunity to live," and I was like, "He's absolutely right," because you don't know what it is. You know what I'm saying? And it's like. If you're looking to stay in a destination, you won't ever grow. But whatever you're looking at, you have to believe it takes steps to get there. And when you do get there, you look back and be like, you get the review at what you've been able to do and accomplish at that point. And hopefully whatever you're doing, you your, your eyes get bigger. But you know, the, the bigger most people's eyes get, the distractions will prevent them from getting ultimately to what they want. Mm -hmm. But yeah that's it that's it <laughs> so, yeah yeah that's it i get it i understand it 1000 percent. i mean you have to live life a little bit but then also hopefully people you can find a, a communicative form to present that to entice others to come exactly see the good parts of what you experience constantly you know what thus being living abroad i can't tell you how many times i'm like taking pictures and sending them back to friends like hey you should see this sunset with me hey you should come check out what I'm doing because right now this is a, a piece of life that you should have in your living, in your yeah. time of living. So I try to antagonize and tell friends all the time about the good things in my life. Sort of like bringing people to your favorite restaurant. Hey, try try this. This is going to be delicious. You're going to love it. I think we need to do that with experiences, wisdom, and financial literacy as well. For sure. I have a question for you that's very intrusive. Now, you don't have to answer it if you do not want to. The only thing I ask is that you tell me if it's a good question and should I keep it and continue asking it or drop a gem or something around it that you might want to say. Are you ready for the question? For sure. Are you sure? Always, brother. <laughs> I love the challenge. What was abusive to you that you thought was love? How did you recognize it? How long did it take for you to accept it? Um... Well, I was abused as a child and whoopings. And when I say that, I brought that with my parenting. Like, man, I got some really good kids, man. And they were good when they was babies, but in my head, I'm supposed to whoop you to curve a behavior. And like, that's something that I brought with me from what I grew up in. And I'm like, 
man, I was extreme too. And when I, when I stopped here, it was so crazy. Like things slowed down when we moved here. You know, like when you're in the States, I realized why parents have a short fuse because they got to go to work. And if they're not making enough, they don't have time to really do the parenting because they burnt out. So when we came here, a lot of the things that we were worried about, we didn't have to worry about anymore. And we noticed that we had more time to talk to our kids to curve behaviors. And I was like, do you always want, do you ever wonder why white people don't whoop their kids? I was like, they not tired like us because you whoop your kids to curve a behavior because you don't have the time to teach them what's wrong so they don't do it again. And I was like, we tired and like, we don't know how to parent. And, and I'm just thinking like, that was a, a, a horrible behavior that I brought that I know that my kids won't do. I know they probably won't whoop their kids nearly as much, but they recognize that we don't whoop them anymore. And I think it made it easier for them to be able to talk to us. So yeah, that yeah. <laughs> like the idea that I brought that with me as an adult and I look back, I'm embarrassed the way that I was raising my kids and even to talk about it because they were never bad kids. But it was that was a learned behavior that that plays a role in my psyche today. I think I think you are correct, but also once you look at it from two sides, right? When we have history, how it was taught, of how correction was given out through our ancestors, when we just go back to that bullet point of slavery, how it was passed down through generation for correction, and also look at it as the world is not all sunshine and rainbows, quoted by Sylvester Stallone. Sometimes they need to know that consequences can get you hit physically. Some kids. Wow. Sometimes it, because it happens right not not saying that you beat your kids constantly now like what you did in the beginning they just know that there's an opportunity that that might happen like there is a moment in life where somebody might try to strike you or hit you so they they understand what it feels like not in say repeatedly abusively beat your children yeah i'm I got talking you. about they know now Hey man, you know, this could happen as a variable. You only know what you know. I'm going off what you said. You only know what you know. And now they sure. know that somebody could be bigger, better, and better. So let me approach this in a communicative process to which my parents have now taught me since we moved abroad, because I now know there's another way. But talk I like to me. You. I like that. Talk to me about fatherhood. Now, I just don't want to know about fatherhood when it's beautiful and my kids are great. I want to know when you love your kids. I don't like you right now. Talk to me about the patience you need to have as a father. I can tell you how I used to feel. I don't I don't feel that way anymore um, because I've gotten to the point that they only know what they know. And if their emotions are sad and I'm like, man, that ain't even nothing. I'm putting all my experience and letting them know that this isn't nothing, but that is they their life is way shorter. They ain't had enough experiences to realize that's nothing. So um, before I used to be, oh man, I'm the worst tutor for my kids before. <laughs> like, cause you know, my wife and I are good in math. I've been an educator, you know, 19 years, ended 19 years. And I just felt like my kids were supposed to know certain things. And I'm like, we just went over this. And I'm like, in my head, I can say, I'm like, they only know what they know. 
Like if they don't, they're not failing on purpose. They're not missing this to, to make you upset. And it was like, uh, but you know, like that, that was something that I had to learn because I'm like, because they really made solid decisions, man. Like um, when they do something, they let us know where we can't just go crazy. They, they, they approach us and let us know something's wrong when it happens. So I would like to believe that at this point, they're, they're adapting to the parents that they have. And before they used to always go to their mother and it used to make me mad too, because I used to wonder like, what am I not doing for my kids to come talk to me? And I'm like, it was like a self-reflective moment. Like I'm not a good father. Like, dang, they don't come to me. But then I realized it's the way you talk to somebody. And if they know that you're going to act in a specific way, they would rather go to the person that's more understanding. So their moments of act doing something bad, I don't have those moments with them anymore, man, because I feel like anything that they do is a learning and teachable moment. And I know that they didn't do it to get the outcome that they got. But if I look at it in a way to get upset, it's like I'm forgetting what I'm trying to create. So it's like I had to change my mindset and it was difficult and it's still difficult because I remember like tutoring my kids over spring break when I went back and I would just get frustrated in my head and I would try not to have the body mannerisms of it. Like we'll just finish just tomorrow or something like that. But they got it. Like as I started to realize what I was doing, I was like, they want to get it done. So I can't get upset with them because they're not doing like if you, I, I just remember teaching when I first started teaching and a kid was like this test boring it's only boring because you don't know the answers but everybody who know the answers is gonna say it's easy so I'm telling like thinking as my kids like don't you know they want to get it done they want to make you proud so it's like I have to change my mindset that my kids are trying to deliberately make me upset Life is only boring to you because you don't have the answers. Is that a t-shirt? <laughs> Life is only boring to you because you don't have the answers. Once you find some experienced answers, it becomes very, very easy. Boom. I like, I like that what you had to say about your family and kids. You helped somebody with that today. Now I want to talk to you about one of my favorite questions on the show. I like to have fun with this because I feel we rarely talk about it. I would love to hear your perspective and what you have to say. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Did you ever get a sex talk? Who or what gave you sex education? Brother, this is going to be interesting because I was just talking about this too. Um, so I only wanted to have sex because I wanted to stop lying to people. And no lie, that's, that's, I can honestly be a man and tell you, like, I just wanted to have sex so that people would be like, you a virgin, John. And I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. I used to always say I had a girlfriend in Michigan because they knew I went every year to visit. I was like, now nah, my girlfriend's in Michigan, but in my heart, I'm lying. So I had, I had sex at a very young age. So then in my head, I feel like, okay, I'm good. I don't have to lie to anybody anymore. But so let me ask you this I, question though. Did, uh, did your parents or anybody ever give you any education on it? Oh no, that's why that's why I'm yeah. leading up to this. Yeah. 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 So I've already had sex. And I remember I went to Michigan and 
my older brother, he's he's definitely an adult. And he pulls out his wallet and is like, you need one of these? I was like, I got enough. And then my father was like, <laughs> my father was like, you ain't having sex that much. But he didn't say it that way. So he told me, he said, don't have sex in my uh, bed. And if you get caught at their house, I'm going to come down on you as a parent. And he was like, you keep this on you so that you don't have any babies and no diseases. And that was it. I I, I love when I ask this question because it's it's so telling how much of a society we do not prepare ourselves to the most enjoy one of the most enjoyable forms of expression on the planet and how much it comes with documentation. The at, at the at the latter, right? You could end up having babies out there, being on child support, giving most of your salary away to from a one night stand. At the best part, you can have one of the greatest vacations or something you had in your life or greatest moment of exchange of energy. But I do think we shouldn't run from the scientific part of it. When we teach our kids at a certain age, this is what this is. If you engage in this emotional thing, I think, why do you think we run away from it as parents? Uh, we don't know how to do it. We're afraid to have the uncomfortable talk. It's no different from anything else. Like me and my wife, decided at a very young age that we were going to make penises and vaginas about as common as it could be. I remember we took our kids to Amsterdam and we went through the red light special. Uh, uh, the, the, the red district, red light district. Red light district, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember my son might have been seven or eight and he said, mommy, why, why does that woman got a penis on? And uh, she was like, You'll talk to your father about that when we get older. I was like, well, I didn't know that they had that talk. And then we went back to the hotel and uh, she was like, this is what that. I was like, no, we about to have this talk right now. I was like, look, uh, there are acts that adults have that bring them together for whatever reasons. But when you're a kid doing adult things, there are consequences that you are not able to do, but you can produce like an adult. And I said, whatever you want to be when you grow up, if you decide to participate in this act, it could prevent you and change your trajectory to whatever goal because now you have a kid. I was like, do you think you could raise a kid? Now they're really young. They was like, no, why would any kid want to do that? I was like, well, when you get older, your hormones are going to change and you're going to find people attractive and it's going to cause you to be peer pressured by your group and it's going to become a common thing. But I'm telling you this so that it becomes normalized that you know that no matter what, when you get to an age and you see these people endangering the trajectory of their greatness, that you know that you're not going to allow this because nobody intends on having these consequences when you're doing it. So I need you to be aware, man, we started young. We talk about this still to this day. Endangering the trajectory of your greatness. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I... I I just stress it, man. I just see so many of our counterparts have a lot of issues. Licenses taken away, can't travel, put yourself in a situation where you thought someone... Now, I'm only speaking from the men's side because this is a men's show. I understand there are a plethora of other reasons for the female side, but I will never speak for them. So I'm just going to speak of what I see on the men's side. We dog them out. We do a lot of things, but some of us are created 
monsters are created from sex. Like, for example, like some guys' hearts are broken. They say, I'll never love again. And they just went out here and conquer everything. They take it out on all women. Or the, the other effect, they never know and understand what it is. It's like it, it judges everything. There is no redeeming factor, right? Sure. The, the construct of sex says, if you're not packing, but you have everything else, you might not never keep a woman. You, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's I mean, you hear it a lot when women speak, but I'm not going to speak for them. I hear it a lot. That's a that's a terrible construct, but it's a well, lot of it's just pressure, right? Because you don't know what's what you don't know how great you are. Everything. Sometimes things go down to the physical altercation of sex. So when you speak about the redeeming factors and all of that, I'm talking about what society puts on as a. I'm not saying that's not what it I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm saying that is what projected construct it is on For our sure. society when in terms of labeling how important sex is in America. Because we both know it's very different outside of America and how things are run in terms of what is success. For what sure. is purposefulness? What is a reason to engage in into human interaction in terms of one of the one of the highest forms of expression? Definitely. Should there be a education program amongst men, a level of education, skill traits teached in the black community, financial literacy, communication, change attire, gardening, general wealth building, real estate camps, elderly counseling with intent. Do you think we could ever do those things outside of the church, outside of the boys and girls club, outside of the school, where we have neighborhood tribes working together intentionally to build, for example, lemonade stand or a flea market in your neighborhood just for the kids every week when the adults come by and they see the products of the kids and they develop themselves into entrepreneurs or self-sufficient people or if they want to work for someone or but we're just building each other with a basic communicative level where we can all meet each other and say hey i understand when you're talking about stocks and bonds even as a 10 year old we can understand this terminology and language where we can start working towards our ten thousand hours yeah, that's that's dope. Like, um, you know, the, the amount of effort would take a community, though, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think the idea is great, but it's I just see that the the communities have changed so much, like people don't even know each other anymore. And uh, they stay in the house due to so many things that you can do in the house. Maybe, you know, the way that it seems like that it's outside, like it's not the safest place. And I think that if we were to do something like that, I think it would have to evolve into something that's going to, I guess, bring in people. And, and I think it's going to have to deal with technology because I think that it's moving so fast. The idea that you can get a group of people that would be interested in the idea of something week to week would cause a different mindset of people. And I'm not saying we don't have those, but I don't think those mindsets of people are together. They're like sporadic in different places. I you know agree. what I'm saying? I think those people have to know each other. Maybe people that went to college together and they saw each other and now they have families. I'm like, hey, we're all going to move to a certain place and buy a certain amount of land and do this together with each other's families. But then, you know, a lot of things come with that, like characters yep. and different situations. So we have to be willing, who's willing to make that type of sacrifice to build a tribe. That's why I didn't say communities because communities could be anybody random, anybody implemented, anyone planted to destroy it. You know, castles are not destroyed from the outside in, it's mostly from the inside out. 
So when you start building a tribe, it's like someone, people who are vetted, who come up through the community, come up through, you know, patriarchy. So just thinking about that, I know it would take a long time to manifest, but I think we could get there one day. I think some people are actually probably doing it in the privacy of their own tribes. For sure. I definitely believe that. I would love that. I mean, that's part of the goal setting too. Like my wife wants a community like that. And um, that's exciting to hear, you know, that question, because when you said it, I was like, man, it's got to be people already doing it. We just don't know about it. I'm sure and, they're doing it technology wise. They probably don't yeah. even live together. They probably meet on a Zoom call and, and had their kids. I saw on Clubhouse where they had, you know, Grant Cardone does the 10K thing where he talks about how to make money and be successful. But they did a Clubhouse call. If you're unfamiliar with Clubhouse, it's a place where people meet and they have meeting conversations and they had nothing but 10 year olds talking about their chores and things they had to do daily wow. to be successful. But you want to know one thing that I did notice? What's that? None of us were in there. Uh, we talking about 450 people in the room, and I'm the only guy with the Oreo look on there, making it making it change up a little bit. And I think because we have so many traditions that we pay attention to more than we do what is going on in terms of finance, so much block blockage before we get to financial literacy, before we even get to know what 10,000 hours is. Like you know what you know. But if we continue these conversations on a deep on a, on a deeper note on another topic someday down the line, we can discuss how much debris you get to before you find me. Right. Like you said, unlearning and relearning so many things. And the question I have for you now is how do I approach a man I have problems with establishing the value? So the way that like. <laughs> Sometimes we are our own biggest obstacle. Um, you approach a man the way that you want to be approached. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, I, look, I remember holding so many grudges and being stubborn because I thought I was right. And at the end of the day, we probably was both wrong. You know what I'm saying? And I think that we don't know how to communicate with people without um showing that hey i was still right you know what i'm saying my bad but we don't know how to just like how do i make it work how do i fix it you know if the person is valuable enough to you you have to say i don't know what went wrong but i just want to fix it is it possible to be fixed i'm a different person because if you can ask somebody how you want it to be fixed then that means it puts the responsibility in the other person's court to say Am I willing to go down this path again? And if a person really asks you that, they want to know how not to do it again. You know, and if you get burnt twice, it's a possibility that it was still miscommunication. But at the end of the day, if you can just remove your pride and you feel like somebody's valuable enough, just ask them, how do I make this work? And let them decide if it's something that they want to do. But that's the only way you can truly apologize to somebody to say, I'm going to let you build the guidelines so that I can get back the relationship we used to have. Absolutely. I think you should assess the value and see what type of value that person is in your life or what type of value you are in their life. Sometimes we can uh, bring down each other and probably sometimes the best way is to separate. Sometimes the best way is to salvage. You'd have to make that determination. But I think two adults can always come together. Should be. 
always she, able to come together to have this conversation, especially if you have experiences and understand the ramifications of being physical, understand the ramifications of what happens when you're physical, you put your family or anything you're protecting at the moment in jeopardy to be to be infiltrated because now your senses and you're not able to defend properly the way you can. You may miss some days and work. Something may happen where the development of that may cost you more money. You might get arrested. Now you're paying court fees, different monies is going out to where now it shifts the balance if you're living check to check. So communication can stop all of that. And sure. approaching, approaching things with a, with a clear head and understanding, hey, because you never know what someone thinks about what you did. You only know what you think you did. Correct. So when you ask them, hey, what did I do to you? I think the first thing is like, how do you feel what I did to you? But the, also the, the second thing is the other person has to be willing to hear it too. Oh yeah, it's definitely a two-way street. Yeah, right. So if, if you can take it in, because sometimes, you know, people just want to get what they want to get out and say, yeah, I told them what I had to say. And then they feel better and they can walk away, but that doesn't mean it's fixed. It's pride and ego, man. Most of the time it's pride and ego. We we stand for things that we assume that the other person's looking at the same thing. And like you said, right. like it's it's most of the time a misunderstanding. It's miscommunication. And until we learn how to communicate, these things are going to continue. Absolutely. We talk about leaving a legacy, but we mostly ignore major steps. Do you have a will? Yeah, well, I think I think the <laughs> wife is responsible. I, because I believe the wife is responsible for that. Like, I know that we have uh, uh, insurance, you know what I'm saying? And, and like a little information that we have in there. But I believe that my wife started that process because she... She plans on doing, she plans on us doing a lot of things. So it's only necessary to make sure that continues. I believe women are incubators. That's the most I say about women. They take whatever you give them and multiply tenfold or maybe 20 fold or 30 fold. It depends on how strong that personality of that woman is, but you have to allow her to come in, but you also have to have something to present. For and sure. now, sir, you are presenting things and she's saying, oh, I can, I can, I can work with this. I believe any woman can work with anything if they're in that state of mind to want to incubate it's a power that they take they have to want to use their power everybody has a power but it's i believe everybody is born with a universal god-given gift inside of you and you can choose to water it or you can choose to let it sit there but it will never go away your for natural sure. ability for what it is sometimes it's not a tangible talent sometimes it could be a talent where you just speak to people and they just tell you everything about them why do you always tell me everything about you that's a gift i warm you that's what I do. Certain people do that. Why do you think we run from the topic of wills and families in conversation? Um, I think it, it has a lot to do with the intent that you have on your family. You know, like in your mind, it's a negative connotation where somebody asks you about something that comes after you die. And uh, I think that it just got into like a, a practice where nobody would talk about it because of whatever reasons but <clears throat> i feel like it's necessary because that means everybody's knows they can they're aware of what's going on you know what i'm saying like if this happens this is supposed to happen it's not like blindsided where like we should have asked him you know when he was still alive but it's all about a level of how valuable you think you are to the people that need to know this information if you, know you what? don't 
I'm sorry. Please, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry, go ahead. It's all right. If if you don't know how valuable you are to the people alive, then you're going to keep that information away. And those who don't even have it, I just feel like um, it's a level of education that they're just not aware of. I think what you just triggered my mind to think about was the amount of times that we don't care about words until we talk about wills and death and burials. We could have music that talks about the craziest things. We could have conversations about the craziest thing. We can watch the news that has the craziest conversations. But when it's time to actually talk about your mortality, people don't want to have this conversation. And that's why we have people doing GoFundMes. That's why people are, are, are don't have enough insurance to cover burials. And now families have to come together and pay for burials or families is running in people's houses and snatching things. They always had their eye on in case someone met their demise is it happens a lot right different properties are seized by banks because the order is not in order things are not in order i i want i really want us to get together and if we're going to play the game let's play it well to the point where they look at us and say oh we can't play with them they got everything in order because life is about paperwork For sure. not about attitude and how you feel at the moment it's mostly about paperwork i want to put you oh go ahead no, I was about to say, your attitude is more important than than you think. You know what I'm saying? It's the only thing you can really control. And yeah, with the power of your attitude and an effective communicator, everything will be in in order. You know what I'm saying? Like because when you're an effective communicator, um, you're able to learn from others. So when I was saying like the attitude aspect, if you go in with a nasty attitude you rarely get the results you were looking for before you went in there. So yeah, it, come on. And an interesting thing, interesting thing about that, us being here, right? How many times have you seen people get attitudes with something and go right because that's the culture. Like they immediately pounce on people because they know the ramifications, that person who has a job knows the ramifications of being wrong. So I put that to the test. What I did was when someone was wrong, I didn't get upset. And it was very bad. And I was like, okay, I see what you got. I understand. And they, you know what they did? They fixed the problem even faster because they were expecting me to be upset. They were expecting, when people expect for you to react and be upset and you sit there with calmness and they don't understand you. They say, why are you sitting there with calmness? Cause this is, this is what it should look like. And many times will we get things how it should be or will we speak about the apex or the higher versions of ourselves when we see it? We give it no reference. You're gonna say, hey, that's not the natural reaction. Exactly. Look, you hit it on. Look, you've already experienced it. You already know how it rolls. For someone who's listening, absolutely. I hope we helped you and educated you just now. Mr. John, I thank you for that. I want to put you back in the husband's chair. And this is a good question because I'm sure your wife is gonna watch this interview, right? For sure. <laughs> now I'm just messing around. But I would like for you to choose one and explain why no pressure as a husband would you have to have a great woman or a great wife great woman she can learn how to become a great wife um the reason why i say that because different versions of wife could look different from whoever you know what i'm saying but as a woman um you're supposed to improve in different areas you want to be represented as um yeah, I, I definitely have to go with the great woman. 
Absolutely, sir. We thank you for your answer. I love the fact. I love to hear those answers. Everybody's answers are back and forth on each side. I believe no one's wrong because it's supposed to be tailored to what you need in your life to right. make you run. So there's never a wrong answer. Shouts out to your wife. Validation from your partner. It's like you win a championship when you meet the right woman. But Mr. John, I ask you, do you defend the title? Are you still the guy you used to be in the beginning? Are you the best versions of yourself? Are you making sure you look dapper and damn when you go out, when you step out with her, when you talk to her, when you speak to her? Are you still dropping those jokes? Are you still young and energetic? Are you defending the title? Are you being the man or the better version of when she met you? Um. So I've always had that mindset, but I, I thought what I was doing was bigger and better. It wasn't important to her. And uh, as as I've evolved into this person that I am, I know I'm the best version that I've ever been. Uh, not only that, I know that just my idea of what a husband entails now, I know that I'm better than what I used to be because I was very close-minded in what I thought the responsibilities of a husband was. So now, I, even, I just recently told her, I was like, cause I normally wear t-shirts and gym shorts every day, you know what I'm saying? But I was like, I'm gonna start dressing more appropriate when I'm with you because I wanna be a reflection of what you are to me. So uh, I know when we go out to certain things, I have to dress up, but I'm just talking about if I'm gonna be seen with her, I don't want people to be like, oh, they, <laughs> she got a bum over there. I don't care how smart he think he is. So I want her to feel like, uh you know my husband appreciates my grooming. time you're gonna be grooming yourself absolutely how much are you trying to understand communication because with the five are you familiar with the five love languages i i i, I think it was a book right yes like, it was a book where they do a survey and they have five love languages and different languages they have like touch quality time gifting and there are yeah. two others and when you discover what your love languages are I, I would challenge you to go check it out. I know you're not a big book reader, but that book right there, I believe will enhance you. And- Oh, I, uh, I just, I just want to clarify. Like now I've, I've definitely increased the number of books under my tutelage since I've become awakened. I just said in my earlier years, I was definitely not- Oh, no, early. no, no, absolutely, absolutely. But for me, I'm speaking from my perspective, I got enough books. Some people add books on you be like, oh, they added another book on me. <laughs> and you start to feel the pressure of like, if you're not getting to the books you already wanted to read. So I would say this will enhance you when you get to it, right? Now the love languages, some people, when they read the love language, they find out what their love language is. But when they're with someone else, they don't realize that the same love language you want is not the same love language you should give out to that person. Just yeah. like you said, all those things didn't mean nothing to her. So it sounded like you were doing gifting, right? You know I was. <laughs> Probably wanted quality time, you know, or different, or, or the other gifts, whatever it is, I'm not sure, but some men say they want quality time. Some men, they want physical touch, like not like sex, but like lay up on me, intimacy, make me feel like I'm important. And sometimes people misconstrued that with, I'm gonna give you the same love that I would want. Yeah and relationships don't work like that. We're all starting to learn like, I have to love you this way and you have to love me that way. And that's how this train, both wheels will turn on both sides so we can move accordingly. So you I know, challenge uh, you to check that out. I, I, I will, well, I've already read it before, but I was definitely in my twenties. Um, but I was just thinking like, 
if we did a better job with courting women, we would be able to find out if there's a woman potentially more for us versus trying to get what we think we're supposed to be seen with. Like, Elaborate I don't- that, sir. What's that? Elaborate, please explain. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, uh, growing up is all about looks, shape, what they got on. But if you actually got to know people, you would know that this, this glitz and glamour that attracted to you is not for you. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes we get caught up in the idea like she'll change, but she's only giving you the, well, we're both only giving you the best version of ourselves in front of you. Like after emotions get involved, like your, your shields start to come down and was like, well, she loved me now. I can act like this. Like you, you sell yourself short by being fake, you know, just right, be who right. you are. And then the person can appreciate like, oh, I can deal with this because a lot of times we get married for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. Well, we get married for, for only what we know in the words of Mr. John. We get sure. married for only what we know and or what we, yeah, 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 correct. What we think is love, even if it comes from a toxic environment, we think yelling and screaming and arguing is a form of love. Like you hear, I hear a bunch of my friends say, I love, they, they love toxic women because it excites them, right? They love it, right? This is what they say. This is what we hear. You know, you've heard it yourself. I love being a toxic woman. Like you love the attitude and all these things, but until you experience life to see that there are more variations of women and there are higher levels of intimacy in terms of intelligence, right? I want to ask you things. What is three things that you want in a woman? And there's always one word that I'm looking for for men to say, but I, uh, you guys are starting to say, it. I give the guys credit, but then the last few episodes, the guys have been hitting on the head, but what is the three things that you require in a woman? Well, I married my wife because she was smart. Like when I say smart, I'm saying like, she was able to engage in any type of conversation, no matter what it was like. I remember she was, uh, she mentioned three University of Florida players who got drafted in, in, in the NBA. And she made reference to it. Like, this is something she do. And I'm like, why did you know that? She was like, I've been watching it with you on ESPN. And I'm like, you remember that? She was like, I like what you like. And I was like, wow. So she was really smart. She really liked me. And what's so crazy is that mm. I didn't understand what that looked like. Um, and even before then, like, like I told her, with the information I have now, I would have married her sooner. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, I like women who like me. I like smart women. And I like a woman who, who has a plan to do more than just exist. I love those. Absolutely love those. First of all, the word I'm always talking about is intelligence, which is smart but she's emotionally intelligent. She is a smart mother, a smart woman. These things come in the fold. Absolutely is what I've always looked for. Cause I tell men, they don't have to be in your top three, but they need to be in the realm of what you're looking for. Because many, uh, many men assume that women are smart. They're not, everyone is not. And I'm not downing women, but a lot of men are not smart either. But you want to look at 
form of intelligence of what a specialty is in that woman that attracts you and that brings you together. And when you said like, like is very important. I can argue that like and love are two different things. No, they are. <laughs> when you like somebody, you can be around them through their transgressions of being someone different from whom, whom you've met or of growing or allowing them to grow into person who is developing to something great. When you like someone, you can love someone and not really care for them that much or how they fear, how they fare in society. But when you like somebody, you can really be around them and smell them and have their scent on you. And you're like, okay, I like this person. So I'm going to deal and roll with them because I believe in them. And I appreciate yep. you sharing that today, sir. Absolutely. I came up with something called operating at 100%. And what I mean by that is I took five categories. That's purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Again, that's purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge, all totaling 100%. They're 20% each. Purpose means you're working in your purpose every day. Health means you're working out, eating, meditating, praying. Confidence means you're doing without any insecurities, any fear. Money means you saved a little money, gained a little money today or donated some money and knowledge needs you took on some new information. So Mr. John, within the last 24 hours, how much of 100% have you been operating out of? That, that you know, that, I, I just want you to know, I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna write this down. <laughs> and because I, I wanna use it, I wanna ask myself, that's, that's a solid question. And you know, I would like to believe that I'm an A student. And, and the reason why I say that is because the amount of effort that I do work on those things that you mentioned, but I'm still learning how to do it. So I can't be an A student. So I would say I'm definitely above average. So we can, we can average maybe 17 in all of them. So, 17 and all of them. <laughs> so that's what an 85. That's an 85. So I would say I'm at an 85%. And I will say this if I, or whenever I get to the mark where I am operating on all cylinders, I would hope that something else expands where I can continue to go. Because if the goal is to get 100%, you shouldn't ever get there. Well, you know let me preface it by saying it's a daily calculation, then you get a weekly average. Okay. So you have daily challenges. You never know when life is going to come up where you might not be able to work out today, or you might not be able to read today. You being a father, you being a person who's developing themselves, you might not get to uh, get to an actual task for the day, or what you can really do to make it tough, you can grade yourself on the curve. You can minimize the things that you do easily, and the thing that's harder for you to get to, increase the percentage. For me, I increase the percentage of health because I have sometimes I don't get to work out. So if I'm graded on a 40% curve of health, I mean the highest I can get is 60 points. Even if I'm working in my purpose, like I am doing now, being confident doing it, securing money as I you know invest in knowledge. I took in some new information from you, but I haven't worked, I haven't prayed, I haven't ate yet. So those things right there, uh, my curve that I have to get off. So now I'm naturally sitting, I'm getting my percentages on the easy side. Yeah. But developing myself outside on the hard side is where I can only get a 60 if I don't develop myself physically, mentally, and spiritually. Yeah, that's a different way to look at it now, for sure. Mm -hmm. You can grade yourself on the curb. It's called operating at 100%. And I came up with it for the show, and we're definitely going to do some great things for it. For it.
So you can yeah. add things to it too. You can add consistency as one of your five. You can exchange it out or you can add consistency as one of and make it six and divide that by a hundred. It, de no, no. it depends on the development of what you're trying to get to and what goals you're trying to set. But you, but people don't really give themselves a daily average or a weekly average to say, how did I get here? This is part of the process. Well, if I look back and say, man, for the month of May, I only operated at 68%. But I, my goal requires me to operate at 93% all year to reach the task of whatever I'm trying to accomplish. I like that. that, that that's that's I like that. I'm gonna use that for real. I'm gonna incorporate that in my daily uh, rituals that I participate in. Well, let me know how it goes, sir. I am doing a case study with all the other men on the show, and I, I have some information coming out about it. And we're gonna—I'm gonna develop into the something that I hope people will take on and hold themselves accountable with respect, integrity, right behind it. Definitely, man. I appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. You are now part of the Silhouettes Boys Club. It is people like you who move in the shadows to help people like me shine. Now, before you go, we love to get referrals for the show. Is there any other man you would like to come on this show and drop these gems? Drop us a name. Um, Hassan Johnson. Uh, Hassan Johnson. Have you? Do you know him? No, you got to connect us. I will. Um, I have two, actually. Sure. Uh, and Anthony Daniels. These are old, two older men, uh, different lives, successful in their own right. And I think I would want to hear their answers to these. Hassan Johnson and Anthony Daniels, we will be connect connecting with you and getting on Solutions for Men. Mr. John, please let us know where we can find you on any social medias, any tags, anything you'd like to promote on the show today. No doubt. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Too Much Me, 2-W-O-M-U-C-H-M-E. You can find me on Facebook, John David Lewis. Uh, I also have another uh, Instagram. You can follow my family, uh, Lewis Squad Abroad, uh, L-E-W-I-S-Q-U-A-D Abroad. And uh, you can check me out and watch my steps as I try to maneuver through this ever so changing world. Mr. John David Lewis, thank you so much. For those listening, you can reach me at solutionsformen at gmail.com to be a guest on the show. Also at Sheen One on all platforms. Let's continue this conversation on Clubhouse, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or in the streets if you see me. Before we go, we end with a quote for Dr. Miles Monroe. True success is not measured by how much you have done or accomplished. It's not compared to what others have done or accomplished. True success is what you have done compared to what you could have done. In other words, living to the maximum is competing with yourself. It's living up to your own true standards and capabilities. Success is satisfying your own personal passion and purpose in pursuit of personal excellence. So question of the day, question of your life. Are you maximizing your life? Mr. John David Lewis, this has been Solutions for Men. I'm Sheen One. Thank you very much. Peace and blessings. Peace.